Continue looking at this little book, and it's proved to be quite a blessing and quite a challenge to us as we've studied through its pages. Philippians chapter 4. You know, even a casual reading of a local newspaper provides enough material for a lifetime of worry. Think about that for a moment. Job loss, corporate scandals, war, crime. Government indebtedness, natural disasters, terrorists, earthquakes, uh, economic woes. Then you add to that your own family struggles, your wayward children and your own health challenges. And the load becomes heavier. And on top of that, add the guilt of bad past decisions and behavior and choices. And that burden can almost become unbearable. 
You know, a steady diet of the evening news on top of all that. And uh, you're almost ready to call it quits as the load begins to crush you. And then on top of that, you have one of those days. You know what one of those days is, don't you? One of those days. Somebody said you can tell it's going to be a rotten day when the following things happen. You wake up face down on the pavement. You call suicide prevention and they put you on hold. You see a 60 Minutes news team waiting in your office. Your birthday cake collapses from the weight of the candles. You turn on the news and they're showing emergency routes out of the city. Your twin sister forgot your birthday. Uh, It's going to be one of those days. Your car horn goes off accidentally and remains stuck as you follow a group of hell's angels on the freeway. Your boss tells you not to bother to take off your coat. You wake up and your braces are locked together. Uh, You call your answering service and they tell you it's none of your business. Here's one. Your income tax check bounces. Uh, You put both contact lenses in the same eye. And finally, you know, it's going to be one of those days, a rotten day, when that bird singing outside your window is a buzzard. Uh, You know, it's going to be one of those days. Is there any hope? Is there any way to deal with all the things that push us to the point of worry and frustration and depression and if left unchecked, even to the point of mental illness? How are we expected to cope with all these things and so much more? I mean, really, what can we do with our worries? What can we do with them? Are there really really any other options besides just letting them pile on and just lug them around, coping with them the best way we know how? Well, I'm here to tell you, yes, yes, absolutely. There's a different option. In fact, God has given us a pathway from worry to peace. A path that leads from worry to peace. Would you like to follow that path? Would you like to go down that journey from worry to peace? Okay, well, let's look here. Just two verses in Philippians chapter four. And I'm going to read verses six and seven. If you'll follow along as we read Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. The Bible says there be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Two simple verses. Be careful for nothing, as that is being anxious for nothing. Be worried about nothing. Now I want to pose a series of five questions to you today. And I want us to answer those questions in our time together. Number one is this question. What do we worry about? What do we worry about? Probably everyone here, if they were honest, could write out even a short list of things that they're worried about. Now, before we proceed any further, let's draw a distinction, a very important distinction. There is a difference between a care and a worry. God is not telling us here in his word to be careful for nothing. In other words, to be careless, to be non-caring, to be irresponsible. That's not what he's saying at all. He's not telling us to look at life in a lackadaisical way and just dismiss ourselves from responsibilities and duties and cares of life. Paul had cares. Timothy had cares. Listen to 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. Beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches in this very same book, Philippians two twenty. 
He talks about Timothy. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. We have cares in life. Paul and Timothy cared about the people they ministered to. They cared about the work that God had given them to do. They had other cares as well. You and I have legitimate cares in our lives we must attend to. But listen, it's one thing to have a care. It's something totally different to have a worry. You see, to move from caring to fretting, to being anxious, to be worried, it's a totally different story. Does that make sense to you? You see, it's also here not wrong to properly plan for the future. The Bible is clear on that. If you're with us this past Wednesday night, we talked about planning. So God is not saying here, be careless, be irresponsible. But he does say to us, be careful for nothing, be anxious about nothing. Now, what do we worry about? Well, put your finger on marker there in Philippians 4 and turn back to Matthew 6. The Lord Jesus is speaking in Matthew 6 and he begins to talk about some of the things that we worry about. Some of the things that really, really bring us to a point of fretfulness and being anxious and worried. And I want to give you just uh, three or four main categories here. First of all, if you find in Matthew chapter 6, we find there that we worry sometimes about physical attributes. Look at verse 27 of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. The Bible says there, Jesus speaking, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his statue? Or stature. In other words, which of you, by taking thought, being anxious, being concerned, can make yourself taller? How much time, how much money, how much anxiety and effort is put forth in order to improve our physical attributes? Now, listen, there are some things we can't do anything about. I may wish to be taller or shorter, but it's not going to help. I can worry about it. I can fret about it. I can be anxious about it, but it's still not going to help. Now, I know there are ways that we should and could improve our physical appearance. We think about diet and we think about exercise and grooming. And those are things we ought to be engaged in, ought to be doing, putting forth the best uh, front we can there as we go out in life, looking as the best we can. But there are some things we cannot improve, some things we cannot change. We need to accept God's wisdom in the way that he made us. Some people go through life and they hate their nose or they hate their eyes or they hate their face or they hate some feature about their bodies. They can't do anything about really unless they go to extensive and expensive surgeries and things. We need to accept the way that God has made us and not worry and fret over that. Our physical attributes can sometimes cause worry. A second thing in verse 28 is our clothing. Why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Now, some folks in our world, they're concerned and worried because they don't have any clothes or very few clothes and they're wearing out. But for the majority of us here today, our concern when it comes to clothing is not a lack of clothing, but a lack of the right kind of clothing. Now, there's nothing wrong with looking nice. There's nothing wrong with having nice clothing and even wearing things that you like and expressing your personality in some regards in your dress. We're not to be overly concerned and fretting about such things. We have the right kind of clothes and the right labels and the right styles. Our clothing. Look at verse 31 in Matthew 6. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? 
Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Food and drink is another area that folks, they get worried about. Now, some people in our world, they're worried about the fact they don't have anything to eat. Or they don't have clean water to drink. But most of us here today, if not all of us, would say, you know what? That's not the concern I have. It, it, it's just, I, I want prime rib instead of bologna. I want, I want New York strip instead of ham. And I want these different things. We're faring along just fine. We get overly concerned about how, what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink. And then notice verse 34. If none of those got you, this one may have. Verse 34 of Matthew 6. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil there. Here's this one. The future. The future. And here's where most of our worry is spent. We worry about the future. We worry about whether we'll have, be, uh, have enough money to retire comfortably. We worry about whether we'll be healthy during retirement. We'll worry about if we'll even be around to retire. We worry about our children, their futures, their spouses, their children, our grandchildren, even though they're not even around yet. They're not even living yet. Or we worry about how we're going to pay for college. By the time they get some of us have little guys and gals, it'll be one hundred thousand dollars a semester by the time they get there. How are we going to pay for that? We worry about cancer and diseases and wars and lack of freedom and health care and Social Security and bank stability, the housing market, the stock market, and maybe even some our supermarket. I don't know. We worry about all kinds of things on and on and on. And I better stop because it might be a worry award out there making a list. I didn't think about that one and that one, that one. We worry about the future. What's going to happen? What if? What if? What if? And though not mentioned here in Matthew 6, I think a lot of folks we could add to the list, they worry about the past. Things that they did in the past, decisions they made, behaviors they displayed, and they're consumed with worry over the past. Clearly, there's no shortage of things to worry about. No shortage at all. But then some might think, well, why not worry a little bit? What's the harm? Why not worry? Well, first of all, going back to our passage this morning, Philippians chapter 4, God tells us not to do it. Now, beloved, to do it is to disobey God. And we still call that what? Sin. God says, be anxious, be anxious, be careful for nothing. Be worried about nothing. That's disobeying God, we worry. Secondly, as we'll find out a little bit, worry is a very destructive habit. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. What do we worry about? Lots of things. Secondly, why do we worry? Why do we worry? Now, obviously, in our short time this morning, we cannot speak exhaustively on this subject. A lot more could be said. We could spend a great deal of time. And without running the risk of sounding simplistic for our time together, let me just mention two In regards to a believer, why do we worry? Well, disbelief and disobedience. Disbelief and disobedience. For a child of God to live a life of worry and fretfulness is to show a lack of faith in God himself. In fact, for a child of God to worry, it shows a doubt concerning God's sovereignty, God's promises, God's love, God's power. God's goodness and God's wisdom. Think about that for a moment. Process that for a moment. For us to live a life of worry and fretfulness is to doubt God. To show a lack of faith 
to doubt his sovereignty, his promises, his love, his power, his goodness, his wisdom. God says, listen, don't be anxious. Don't worry. Yet we take on burdens and responsibilities he never intended for us to bear. We forget that he is the Lord of the universe, not us. Church history tells us that Philip Melanchthon was talking one day to the great reformer Martin Luther. He said, today, Martin, you and I will discuss God's governance of the universe. And Martin Luther looked at Melanchthon and said, no, Philip. He said, today, you and I are going fishing and we'll leave the governance of the universe to God. We need to get there. We need to get there, beloved. We're not to govern the universe. We're not to govern our little world. He is Lord. He is Lord. He's in control. We need to learn that lesson. Worry shows a lack of faith in God. What do we worry about? Lots of things. Why do we worry? Well, disbelief and disobedience. Third, what are the consequences of worry? What are the consequences of worry? Why not worry a little bit? Why not have some worry? Let me give you two more D's. All these come from June Hunt's good work. Destruction and dishonor. Destruction and dishonor. Constant worry and constant fretting can cause destruction to our physical bodies, not just our emotions, our physical bodies. Try these on for size, worrier. High blood pressure, heart problems, headaches, colds, stomach problems, ulcers, panic attacks, nervous breakdown, depression, and even suicide. Now, you're not to be making judgment on everybody else around you. I heard they had a cold. I heard they had. No, we know that the physical body has other ailments. But if we worry, it can begin to impact us in various ways and can even lead to depression, mental illness and even suicide. Never been around someone like that who's been driven to that point. It's a real eye opener when you see that person and talk with that person. First Corinthians six nineteen and 20 says this. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Believer, you don't belong to yourself. You belong to Jesus. He purchased your part upon Calvary. He he paid your part with his precious blood. He owns you. And he says, listen, the Holy Spirit indwells you. And I want you to take care of the temple of God. We're not to worry. It not only brings about destruction of the body, it brings about dishonor. You see, when a child of God lives a life of worry and fretfulness, what kind of testimony is that to the unsaved people around them? What kind of testimony is that? It's certainly not testimony of an all-sufficient Savior. Listen, how are you supposed to go to that person and you're worried and fretful and anxious all the time? You need Jesus. You need Jesus. Well, he hasn't helped you. He's not sufficient for you. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Listen, when the world looks at a believer who's going through trials and testings and they see a rock solid faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it makes an impact upon that lost person. And it makes an impact that can last throughout all eternity as that person themselves begin to consider, what is it about her? What is it about him? And they may even come and ask and you say, listen, it's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
And you might be thinking, okay, preacher, we, we get it. Worry is bad. Worry is sin. So what do we do? What can we do with our worry? What can we do with it? Well, I think two things. Number one, you can keep it. You can keep it. You can just keep on doing it. You can leave today and go through life lugging around worries and fretfulness and anxiousness. You can disobey God, destroy your body and destroy your testimony if you want to. Think about that. You can keep it. Now, that's not the best plan. That's not the recommended plan. That's not the wisest course of action. That's not what the Bible tells us to do. But some may just do that today. But there is an alternative. You can keep it or you can give it to God. You can give it to God. Now, look here in Philippians four. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, how do we give our worry to God? What does it say? Be careful, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. I want you to learn a little saying today. And it's only six words. I think everybody can get this down before we leave today. Here's the phrase I want you to learn. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Say that with me. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Let's say it again. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Now live it. Say, come on, preacher. I mean, really, that's what you're telling us to do. Just pray about it. Read the verse again. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God says, pray about it. Get specific. Read about it. He says, in everything. How far do we go? In everything. Be careful for nothing and no thing and nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, thanking God, a heart of gratitude, let your request be made known unto God. Your specific request, your specific concerns. Tell God about your worries. Tell Him about your stress. Tell Him about your problems or your concerns. Even the little things you might call in life. You say, well, I'm, I, I, that's too little to share with God. Listen, nothing's too little to share with God. Corey Tinboom said this. Any concern too small to be turned into a prayer is too small to be made into a burden. If it's a burden, if it's a stress, a care, a worry, take it to God. He says elsewhere in First Corinthians, Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Now, how often do we do this, preacher? As often as needed. You know what happens? A lot of times we believers will bring a stress or worry to the Lord. And we'll cry out to God and we'll give that to him. It might be in an altar in a church. It might be somewhere in your private time of prayer. And you'll give that burden to him. And you'll get up from that time of prayer. And you know what you do? You pick the burden right back up with you. And you carry it on. Listen. Keep giving it back. Keep giving it back in everything. How often do you do this? As often as needed. <clears throat> Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. I believe you would go out and practice that this week. Your prayer life would be revolutionized. 
You pray more than you ever prayed in your life. Anytime a worry comes upon you, imagine you turn that into a prayer request. Say, Lord, you know about this bill. You know about this health test. You know about my son. You know about my daughter. You know about this problem. You know about this need. And you cry out to God and you pray about it and you give it to him. Imagine. Why should we do that, preacher? Look at verse seven. And the peace of God. Which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. A peace that passes all understanding. In other words, a peace we can't understand. You ever had that? You know, sometimes we can understand peace, can't we? I mean, when things are going great, the bank account is full and everybody's healthy. We're riding around in style, dressed to the hill. Things are wonderful. We've just got this wonderful peace. And then we see somebody who's hurting who has cancer, as a disease, whose world is falling apart, and yet we see a peace in them. A peace that passes all understanding. A peace we can't understand. But then we realize, wait a minute, that person is a person who knows and loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're standing upon the rock. You see, there is a peace that passes all Understanding. It says there that peace of God, which passive understanding, shall keep or shall guard or protect your heart and mind. In other words, it protects and guards how you feel the heart, and it also protects how you think the mind. It guards it, it protects it. This is not a natural peace. This is the peace of God. Isaiah says it this way in Isaiah 26, 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. You see, it's real simple, beloved. Instead of worrying over something, you turn that worry into a prayer request and you pray about it. And let me warn you, though. Many times, oftentimes, the situation, the circumstances, the concern the thing you're worried about, that thing won't necessarily always change. You may still have the illness. You may still have the problem. But you know what happens? You change. You see, God may or may not change the circumstances, but he changes you in that circumstance. He doesn't always take away the sickness, but he begins to mold and shape the person in and through that sickness. He said, Roger, this is so simple. This is too simple. Just pray instead of worry. Yes, friend, that's what God's word says. But let me caution you here. Before you can have the peace of God, you have to have peace with God. What do you mean? There's a difference. There's the peace of God and there's peace with God. Romans 5, 1 says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there's one instance where you probably should be worried. There is. And that is if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your own Lord and Savior. I tell you what, beloved, I remember before I came to Christ, the fear that was in my young life, realizing that if I died, I would be in hell. The realization of that. And if you're here today and you're trying to trudge through life without Christ. And on top of that, you don't have the assurance of heaven and the hope of heaven. You probably ought to be worried. Knowing the Bible says, what is your life? 
It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. The day may not end before we realize that you have passed from this life into eternity. And friend, if you don't have Christ, you're going to spend an eternity without him, apart from him in a place called hell. Listen, you need peace with God. How do I get there, preacher? You repent of your sin and take him by faith. You say, I don't want my sin. I want Jesus. And you take him by faith. You believe that he is God. He was born of a virgin, lived a sinless, perfect life. He died on the cross. He shed his blood. He was buried and arose again and said, if you'll call upon me, I'll save you. And you take him by faith. And you have peace with God. Friend, if you've never done that, today's the day. Today's the day to trust Jesus Christ as your own Lord and Savior. Peace with God. And then we have the peace of God. Some of you say, I already have peace with God. I don't have a doubt about that. Praise be to God. But do you have the peace of God? Do you have this peace that passes all understanding? Or are you trusting him for eternity, but you can't trust him for tomorrow? Think about that. How silly is that? We stake our eternal destiny upon Jesus Christ, and yet we can't trust him for tomorrow. We can't trust him for this afternoon. We can't trust him for next year. We can't trust him for ten years from now. We can't trust him with our marriages and our families. How silly. This brings me to my fifth question, and that's this. Why pray when you can worry? Why pray when you can worry? I didn't mess that up. I worded it that way on purpose. You know why? I think it puts it in perspective. Why pray when you can worry? Why pray? You see, really, we're making a choice between the two. We're choosing to worry or we're choosing to pray. Period. We're making the choice. God says in his word, worry about nothing, pray about everything. And then on top of that, he says, if you do that, I give you a wonderful promise of peace. But the choice is ours. And by the way, the consequences are ours, too. The choice is ours. And so are the consequences. Today, in just a moment, we're going to come and we're going to sing an invitation hymn. And those of you who have peace with God, you know, Jesus Christ. Why don't you come today and lay those burdens down? Give them to God. Worry about nothing, but pray about everything. And experience and lead today with the peace of God. And if you're here today, and you say, Preacher, I don't have peace with God. I've got wonderful news. He says, come unto me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Come today, repenting of your sin and taking him as your Savior and Lord. June Hunt said this, and we'll close. She said, worry is like a thick braided headband that puts pressure on the mind. It's a confining cord interwoven with three strands. The distresses of yesterday, the trials of today, and the fearful what ifs of tomorrow. This vice-like grip of worry tragically compresses your joy, cramps your peace, and confines your freedom. But this constriction can be conquered. How, friend? Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Will you do that? Do you have peace with God? And then, do you have the peace of God evident and working 
in your life. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this message from your word. We thank you, Lord. It it is so simple. Father, it's so simple, yet we make it so difficult. Help us to practice what your word instructs us to do. I pray for anyone here today who does not know Jesus as their own Lord and Savior. They'll come this very moment during invitation song and trust Jesus. I pray for others who do know Jesus to come today and lay those burdens down and go out and practice this scripture. Lord, even when they're tempted to pick it back up, they say, no, I'm going to pray. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to trust it in your providential, all-wise care. Help us to do that, we pray in the Savior's name. Amen. Amen.